You know, it was in 1909 when a woman by the name of Sonora Dodd was sitting in a church service much like this on Mother's Day. And as the preacher preached about mothers and talked about honoring and glorying in mothers, she began to realize that there wasn't a day for fathers. In 1909, there was no Father's Day. There was no recognition of fathers. Mother's Day had been around for almost 100 years. But she began to think, shouldn't we do something to honor Dad? So during that next year, she went to her pastor, and they began to plan on having a day in June where they could pay tribute to fathers. So in 1910, the very first Father's Day celebration happened at that church up in New England. It picked up a little steam, it gathered a little momentum, and it wasn't until after World War II that stores and card companies began to push the idea of recognizing fathers. But it wasn't until 1972, 1972, 44 years ago, that President Richard Nixon signed into law the order that on the 3rd June, Sunday of June, Uh, we will have a national holiday recognizing fathers, calling it Father's Day. Now, I want you to think about that. Father's Day has officially only been recognized for 44 years. There are some fathers here that have been fathers longer than there was a day to recognize fathers. Fathers, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, We retroactively thank you if you were a father and didn't have Father's Day. Uh, Think of all those ties you could have gotten before we had an official recognition. You know, we do come this morning to celebrate our dads, to say thank you, to encourage them for all that they bring to our lives. It's been said that any male can have a child, but it takes a special man to be a father, a special man to be a dad. And those of us in this room that are dads know that it is a high privilege. And while none of us are perfect, there's only one perfect father. All of us that are fathers strive to become the type of dad that God's called us to be, and more importantly, the type of dad that our children need us to be. I like what Mark Twain said about his father. He said, when I was 14, I realized that my dad was ignorant on everything in life, and I could barely stand to be around him. But when I turned 21, it was amazing how much I discovered he had learned in those last seven years. Many of us feel that same way about our fathers as we come to get older and recognize all that they've done for us, all that they have meant to us, all the examples that they have set for us. Early in my ministry, I recognized that it seemed to me that on Mother's Day, pastors would get up and talk about uh, a virtuous woman. They would talk about how wonderful mothers were. They would sing their praises. We would give mothers flowers and, and heap praise on them. And well, we should. But then on Father's Day, it seemed like the preachers would always take a little turn differently and come out preaching about how much we fail as fathers. It was kind of a a great day to bash all the dads that weren't being the type of dads that they wanted. And I recognized that when I became a father that uh, I had enough guilt uh, for my failings because all of us recognize that we fail, that I don't need a preacher to come and tell me how bad of a dad I've been because we all feel that way even those of us that give it everything that we've got. And so I decided that when I was going to be a pastor, that I was going to try to speak encouragement into fathers, into dads. And so this morning, my goal for you if you're a father, whether you've just become a father, whether you've been a father for years and your kids are out of the house, whether you're a grandfather or a great-grandfather, my goal is to encourage you this morning, to encourage you on the privilege that you've been given, the, the high calling that you've been given to be a dad, of a child. 
All spring, we've been studying through the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph. We've had a series called uh, The Path of a Dreamer, looking at Joseph's life and the example Joseph gave. And towards the end of Joseph's life, after he had been reconciled with his brothers and reconciled with his dad, uh, we discovered they moved to Egypt, from the Promised Land to Egypt, and they were living there for 17 years. They had a family. For the first time in over 20 years, they were all together, loving each other, growing, the Bible teaches us. But at the end of Joseph's dad's life, Jacob, who is now called Israel, he did something that most Hebrew fathers do that we don't do anymore. He called together all of his children, all of his sons. And he got his 12 sons around him. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 49 that he began to lay hands on each one of his children and blessed them. You see, in the Hebrew tradition, the blessing of a father was a high calling. It's one of the greatest responsibilities that a father could do was to gather his children and begin to lay hands on them and bless them. Now, Jacob, Israel, wasn't a great dad. We know from Joseph's life early on. He wasn't a great husband. He had three wives and none of them got along. Several uh, others that weren't his wives that didn't get along. A mixed and blended family that fought, a children that were jealous of one another and angry. He wasn't a great father. And the Bible's full of examples of not great fathers. Noah wasn't a great father. David wasn't a great father. But the one thing that Jacob recognized was the power of the blessing. Now, we don't get together with our kids anymore if you're not Jewish and lay hands on them and give them blessings. But there are ways that we as parents, and especially we as fathers, can continue to bless our children. You know, sociologists and child psychologists have gotten together to look and examine at what they feel like is the greatest need in a child's life. They, they did studies, and they've done studies over years, over what is the greatest thing that a parent, and especially a father, can give a child that can help them excel later in life. And they've discovered uh, far greater than anything else is the greatest gift a dad can give his child is the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. It's the gift of your child knowing that you love them regardless of what happens in life. That you love them regardless of the mistakes they make or the good things they do or the bad things that they do. That they know that you love and accept them just the way they are. And so you see, one of the greatest blessings that you or I as dads can give to our kids is the gift of unconditional love. Because that's the example that I gave you earlier that God teaches for us. See, the Bible teaches us that God loves you unconditionally. Matter of fact, Romans tells us that while you were yet a sinner, while you cursed God, while you still were rebellious, while you were like that prodigal son in the far country, God loved you enough that he gave his only son for you. That's an unconditional love. The Bible calls it agape. And one of the greatest blessings, dads, that you can give your kids is the gift of unconditional love. Now, I know most of you dads in here would say that your kids know that they love you or you love them. You've taught them that and you've you've tried to help them. But the question is, do they know that love is without condition? Do they know that love is acceptance in every area of their life? It doesn't mean that you approve of all their decisions, but it means that they know that no matter what happens in life, that you are their greatest fan, that you love them. And see, I believe there are several things that we can do to help our child recognize that. 
So this morning, I want to encourage dads by giving you a couple of ways that you can bless your children with the gift of unconditional love. A couple of practical things that each one of us can do to, to give our kids unconditional love, to help them understand unconditional love. So whether you are a dad or you're going to be a dad or you're a grandfather or a great-grandfather, this is for us this morning. And if you're not a dad, if you're a mom or, or a daughter, this is something you can pray for your fathers. You can pray for your children. And so I want to give you just a couple of real quick ways that you can bless them. And the first is probably one of the easiest, and that is that you can give your kids the blessing of encouraging words. I love the way Jacob always introduced his children. Any time that he was in public, and we see it when he introduced them to Pharaoh, we see it when he introduced them to others, he comes and says, these are my sons who God gave me. Parents, dads, one of the greatest things that you can do for your kids is to publicly recognize and praise them. Giving them words of encouragement, giving them words of blessings. Never underestimate how incredible it is in their hearts and in their spirits for you to speak to them publicly and about them publicly and how proud you are of them. Jacob stood around and said, listen, my boys... They're not perfect, they're not great, but they are a gift from God. If your kids, dads, can recognize that you treat them and you recognize that they are a gift, it will make a huge difference in their life. It's what God did to His Son. John tells us that at Jesus' baptism, after Jesus came up out of the water, God said, This is my Son in whom I am pleased. The Bible tells us, Paul writes in Ephesians 4.29, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful in building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's especially true to us dads. See, we don't recognize the power of our words, and you can bless your kids by giving them powerful, encouraging, blessing words. See, it's really easy, and I know as a parent, for us to focus and allow the majority of our communication to our kids to be about the negative. It's really easy for us to allow what we say and what we do to to lean more towards our expectations instead of how much we are proud of our kids. Let me give you an example, dads. When your child comes home and their report card is six A's and one C, what do we recognize? It's really easy to recognize that C instead of giving them praise for the A's. See, we need to change our thinking. Doesn't mean we accept less. What it means is we focus on the achievement. It's real easy to focus on the strikeout or the error instead of on the hit. We as parents are called to speak blessings into our kids, and our words have power and our words have meaning. Be an encourager to your kids. Focus on the positive. Focus on the things that they are doing good. Give them words of encouragement. Give them words of affection. Don't just show them that you love them. Tell them that you love them. It's amazing to me as a youth pastor for 20 years how many young people I would get that would come in and tell me that they have never heard the words, I love you, come from their fathers. They've never heard the words that I'm proud of you come from a parent. Dads, you don't recognize that just taking a moment to let your children know that you love them, how much of a difference it will change and speak into their lives. Let them know it's an unconditional love. Not that you love them when they do good. You see, it's easy to love them when they do good. 
It's easy to love them when you feel proud of them. And sometimes we make the mistake of, of when our kids are doing great things and when our kids are pleasing us for us to say, oh, I love you. But when our kids disappoint, when our kids do things that aren't what we expect, we sometimes aren't as quick to let them know we still love them. You see, it's not that we're disappointed in them. As a person, we're disappointed in their behavior. It's not that there's something wrong with them. There was something wrong with something that they did. You see, we need to speak words of affection, speak words of blessing, words of encouragement, words that will lift them up. You see, you have within the power of your mouth the words that can lift them more than anything else. Your words will speak more into their truths and into their lives than any coach, than any teacher, than any friend ever could. Let your kids know how much you appreciate who they are. Look for ways to show your appreciation to your kids. See, we need to remember that we are called to mold our kids into God's image, not our image. Your kids are not your do-over for the childhood that you didn't have. Sometimes it's easy for us to parents to have expectations on our kids that we placed on ourselves instead of letting them grow and be who they want to be. You see, unconditional love, and this is beautiful, listen to me. The beauty of unconditional love, and this is for all of us as Christians, is that it gives us the freedom to fail. You see, you and I understand that if God loves us unconditionally, that means I have the freedom to go and pursue the things that I think He's calling me to without worry that if I fail or if I blow it or if I make a mistake, He's going to squash me. Why? Because He loves me in spite of it. And when we as parents speak that kind of encouragement and that kind of love to our kids, when we give them unconditional love, we give them the ability to fail. Not that they will fail, but we give the ability to go out and try. So many kids today aren't willing to go out and try because they're afraid they'll disappoint their parents. Give them the ability to dream. How do you do that? By speaking encouragement. Find something that they love. It may not be what you love. It may not be what you like. But let them know that you are excited that they love it and you are blessed from it and you are proud of them for doing it. Parents, we have the ability to speak either words of encouragement or words of discouragement to our kids. We all grew up singing the old nursery rhyme, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And the older you got, you recognized how much that was a lie. Words do hurt, and especially the words of a parent. The thing about words is once they are spoken, they can't be taken back. Dads, I want to encourage you this morning Choose your words wisely and let them be a blessing to your kids. Bless your kids with your words. The second way you can bless your kids is bless your kids with your time. Bless your kids with your time. See, the thing I recognized about kids in all those years of working with teenagers and young people is that children equate love with time. More than words, more than gifts, children equate the amount of time that we spend to what we love. It's easy to determine what you love. It's what you spend the most time with. And when our kids don't get our time, they begin to recognize that maybe we are not one of the most important things in their life. I hear parents all the time say, well, I, I, I try to give quality time because I have to work a lot. But the problem with saying that is you don't get to determine what's quality. Your kids do. Make time and then make the most of the time you make. 
parents convince ourselves that we're working and doing all of these things for our kids. We, we tell ourselves that, listen, I, I got this extra job and I got this extra responsibility because I need to make a little more so that I can give more to my kids. Well, listen, our kids could do with a lot less stuff and a lot more of us. I heard a parent say one time, we are so busy working to give our children what we didn't have that we didn't have time to give them what they should have had. Parents, listen, your child is not going to look back on their life and treasure that extra TV they had in their bedroom. They're going to look back and, and treasure all the extra clothes that you bought for them, but they will look back and treasure the memories of the special times that you took to invest just in them. They'll remember the campouts in the backyard, the nights spent watching movies with no phones and no agenda. Make time and make the most of your time. Make memories with your kid. I, I can tell you, I can speak from experience, and this always hadn't been true as the parent of a 19 and 17-year-old. No parent looks back wishing they could have given their kids more stuff. But every parent looks back wishing they'd have spent more time. Time is not something you can get back. Parents of young people, make time for your kids. Give them the blessing of your time. Give them the blessing of your words. The third thing, give them the blessing of your touch. The reason the blessing always included your hands was because the Bible is clear that there is a powerful release when we touch someone else. When there is an embrace, by, by laying on of hands, that there is a way to connect. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but let us love through our actions. It says, don't just love with words. Show them how much you love them. See, so many times we err on one extreme or the other. Either we're all talk and no action or all action and no talk. It needs to be balanced. We need to be telling them that we love them, and we also need to be showing them that we love them. Through a touch. I love in the prodigal son story that I gave you earlier that the father didn't stand on the porch and wait for the son to come to him. He jumped off the porch. He ran to his son. He didn't wait for his son to say, I'm sorry. Before his son ever spoke a word, he embraced him. Why? Because it was in the embrace that he helped his son know that he was forgiven. Your kids need your touch. Your kids need a physical communication. Kiss them. Hug them. Hold hands with them. Now, I know if you've got teenagers, they don't want that. They'll push you away. And I'm not telling you to embarrass them. Don't go outside of their school and give them a sloppy kiss in front of their friends. But you need to recognize that even as they get older, they still desire that touch from a parent. Find other ways. Touch their head. Put an arm around them. Grab their hand, grab their shoulders. Somehow make a connection through your touch so that your kids know that you love them. Reach out and look for opportunities and seize those opportunities. The sad thing is many of us, especially in my generation and those that are older than me, grew up with a generation of dads that were taught by society not to be affectionate. We've got to break that cycle. I don't know any person my age or older that had a dad that didn't say I love you, that didn't give hugs, that didn't give kisses, that are happy with that. Every one of us wishes we had more. Don't let your kids get to adulthood wishing that you would kiss them and hug them and love them more. You can break the cycle. Give them the words 
of blessings. Give them the blessing of your time. Give them the blessing of your touch. And the last thing, and probably the most important thing, Dad, that you can give your kids to teach them unconditional love is to give them the blessings of a father's faith. See, one of the greatest legacies you'll leave, Dad, one of the greatest impacts you can have on your kid's life is to give them a spiritual heritage. One of the greatest things you can do for your kids is to let them see you model your walk with the Lord. Let them see and hear you pray. Let them see and know the importance of reading the Bible in your life. Let them know why being a part of a community of faith is important. Let them see you struggle during difficult times, but still trust that God is in control. Teach them to have faith even when they can't see what's going to happen in the future. You see, you can not only model that to your kids, you can teach it to them. The church today is in a crisis. It's in a crisis because no matter what denomination, we're seeing a decrease of those of a certain generation not getting involved in the church. It's those 35 and under. The millennial generation. What's happening is, always in the past what we've seen, and I've been doing this since 1985, in the past what's happened is all generations when they go to college will somehow stop going to church as much, the first, second, third, fourth year of college. But what happened in the past is after they got out of college and they got married and they had kids, those that grew up in church always came back to church. But what we began to see about 15, 17 years ago was that many of those that when they got to college, that grew up in church and got out of college, they didn't come back to church. And what it's caused is a gap in churches of people that aren't apart. And people are wringing their hands and they're asking themselves, why are we losing this generation? People that grew up in church and grew up at vacation Bible school and grew up in in, in youth groups. And why are they getting out of college and they are not getting involved in church? And you can point to two things among other things. But the two things that stand out the most is the lack of strong male spiritual role models. You see, what's happened is many men have not seen a strong spiritual leader or role model in their life. And that's not to diminish the power of a godly mom. But we recognize that when there is a male spiritual leader in the home, there is a difference made in those children's lives. And the second thing that stands out of reason we're losing a generation, it's probably more important, is the lack of consistency in the home. You see, for years and for generations, parents have talked the talk. They've gone to church, they've done religious things, but children have grown up seeing that talk not make any difference in their parents' personal lives. See, they've seen religious parents. They they went to church with their parents and they heard them sing songs and, and hear the Bible stories and hear the preachers talk and they heard them come and pray with them at night and they heard them come and pray at dinner. But they looked at their parents' lives and they didn't see their parents consistently applying the Word of God to their lives. So they saw a disconnect between what their parents said and what their parents sang and how their parents lived. And what happened is they got older and they began to look at church and they asked themselves, why? Why should I go to church? It didn't make a difference in my parents' lives. Didn't make a difference in the way they acted at home. Didn't make a difference in the way they lived. You see, I'm telling you dads, what we've got to do is understand that our children don't need religious fathers. They need godly dads. 
They need dads that will present a real and genuine faith in the home in every area of their life. Dads that aren't perfect. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect and you have to be super spiritual. What I'm saying is you've got to be real and genuine and pursue God with everything that you have. And it's in that pursuit that your kids will begin to see how much a difference God can make. When they see dads who struggle, when they see dads who make mistakes but yet still depend on God, children are drawn to it. So you can help your children learn how to listen to the Word of God. You can help them learn how to apply the Word of God, how to hear from God. You can help them understand why being a part of a body of faith is important. Not because we come to church so we can check it off a list or or so we can say that's where we were on Sunday. We come to church because it's the place that we go to be empowered by being with the body of Christ. It's our time to come and connect into the universal body of other believers. Help your children understand that. Jacob was not a great dad, but he did recognize the importance of a spiritual heritage. And the thing that you can say about Jacob's boys is that 400 years later, when Moses came to rescue them and the tribes out of Egypt, there was a spiritual heritage there. Because Jacob had instilled in his boys the importance of worshiping God first and making God a priority. Dads, your kids need to see that. They need to hear that. Joshua stood up in front of the children of Israel before they went into the promised land and made the declaration that we all talk about. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, you would think that he was making that declaration for everyone around, but he wasn't. He was making that declaration for his family. You see, what he was doing was standing up in front of his family and saying, I want you to know that the most important thing in my life is God. Let me ask you, dads, can your kids say the same thing of you? Can your kids say that they see that kind of commitment? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, listen, I know... As a parent, the tendency is to look at each one of these things and think about all the times we failed. Man, just got to be honest with you. As I was preparing this the last couple of weeks, I beat myself up. Because every one of those things that I just mentioned, I remembered all the times that I failed. When I was talking about encouraging words, I can think of all the times that I was critical instead of encouraging to my kids. All the times that I focused on the bad instead of the good. I I remember all of the times that I made great excuses on why I couldn't be there and give them my time. I remember all the times that I thought to myself that it would be better to give quality time than quantity time. I remember all of the times that that I I should have hugged or I should have kissed. But somehow I convinced myself that I didn't want to embarrass my kids. Or even worse, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I can remember all the times that my kids saw my lack of faith. All the times that I allowed religion to get in the way of relationship in front of my kids. See, every one of us in here that are dads, you could probably make a similar list. Probably come up with things that we failed in each of these areas. But that's the good news. Because you see, if we're willing to admit that we haven't been what we need to be, we're at the perfect place for God to make a change. See, I wouldn't worry about you, if, if, or I would worry about you if you came in here this morning and said, I, I've got all that down, Pastor. 
All of those things, I, man, my kids would say I'm perfect in all those areas. Maybe you're strong in one and weak in some of the others. But it's at the time when we can look at ourselves and recognize I haven't always given my kids the blessing of unconditional love. It's in that moment that God can begin to use you to make a change. Because you see, the great part of the story of the gospel is that every day is a new opportunity to change. And when you get to the place, whether you're a new dad or a dad of teenagers or a dad of grown adults or a grandfather or a great-grandfather, where you recognize, I can do better, that is the place that the Holy Spirit will step in and help you be better. But you've got to be willing, and it's not easy. I wish I would tell you, it, it doesn't come naturally. It takes work. It takes guarding our tongues. It takes guarding our hearts. You see, God has got each of us at a perfect place to bring about change. The hardest part about preaching a message like this is remembering that the thing about time is you can't go back and change the mistakes you've made. You can't ever get time back. But as dads, if we're willing to say that today on this Father's Day, I want to give my kids the blessings of the Father, then we can change the present. And by changing the present, we can influence the future. Starts by us this morning forgiving ourselves. Don't beat yourself up. I didn't come this morning to have you come so I could preach at you. I wanted to preach with you. So we can all come as dads, as, as we celebrate, and as we celebrate all that God's done in our lives and say, I can be the dad I always hoped I would be. I can be the dad I always prayed I would be. I can be the dad that my kids wanted me to be. But it starts with you saying, yes, that's who I want to be. See, the Bible teaches that the power of blessings can change your kids' lives. Can you give your kids the blessing of your words and your time and your touch and your faith? God thinks you can. He believes in you. Do you believe in yourself? Let's pray.